the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. This, uh, this verse that we heard from uh, St. Paul's letter to the Romans, <clears throat> For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I, I learned, I memorized that verse as a boy. And, you know, maybe a lot of us memorize that verse in childhood. It always scared me because I thought, you know, when I heard the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, I thought, <clears throat> God is going to punish me for my sins. That's that. That's the wages. But that's really not what it says, is it? Who's, who's doling out the wage? Sin. Sin is doling out the, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, not the wages of God, we don't earn it. <laughs> the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin has its own wage. That's different, isn't it? Today's gospel, a familiar one to most of us, the healing of the centurion soldier's servant, St. Nikolai uh, brings this to the present day and its application to this present day in uh, his introductory remarks. Today's gospel shows us the Savior's own assessment. It describes for us one event that shows health among the sick and sickness among the healthy. Health among the sick, the person who wasn't a Jew, has great faith and sickness among the healthy, they don't get it and they don't have this kind of faith at all. Belief among the pagans, unbelief among those who prided themselves in their status as the chosen people and the purity of their faith. This gospel was written to teach us for all ages and for all peoples and applies to our day and to our people, he says. So we need to look carefully at this gospel lesson. He points out that this story is told also in the gospel of Luke. We heard it from the gospel of Matthew today. And that some will look and see apparent contradictions in the story. He says, far from that, you put these two things together and you really see the whole picture. And then he asks the question, why, 
why do we have four Gospels? Why are there four Gospels? I mean, everything and every detail could have been t put into one Gospel. I mean, one person could have... But in, in the Jewish law, he, he points out, and even Chrysostom, uh, St. John Chrysostom points this out, that in the Old, in the old Covenant, you required two witnesses for, you know, to confirm a truth. And so we need at least two gospel writers to confirm the truth of what's being told. And the Lord Jesus Christ doubled it. Doubled it. Two sets of two witnesses. So we have four gospel writers. And that we can see the whole picture from, from these four different angles. In this case, St. Luke says that <clears throat> the centurion at first went to the Jews and said, Go ask Jesus. And it was because of his humility, and he felt unworthy that Jesus should, should come to, to him. And we, and we heard this this morning. But in the Luke account, it says <clears throat> that he was worthy for whom he should do this, for he loveth our nation and hath built us a synagogue. So the Jews came to Jesus and said, you need to hear this centurion. He likes us and he built a church for us. St. Nikolai says of this, That basically what they were saying is he spends his own money and saves ours. <laughs> he built us a prayer for a place for prayer that we needed so that we wouldn't have to pay for it. And they're talking to Jesus like they would talk to Caiaphas, you know, and that Jesus really made no reply. What was their interest? Their interest was an economic interest. And I believe that this has everything to say of our day and our time and our people in which we live. I'd like to read a, a short paragraph. It's kind of heady uh, from a, a Christian leader of uh, our day and time who recently um, departed this life. He speaks of an eclipse of the sense of God and man, just the most, on the most fundamental level, that leads to a practical materialism. It breeds individualism, utilitarianism, hedonism. Here we see the permanent validity of the words of the Apostle Paul, since they didn't see fit to acknowledge God God gave them over to a base mind and improper conduct. The values of being are replaced with the values of having. Is this, not, is this not the society and the world that we live in today? To be? No. To have. The so-called quality of life is interpreted primarily or exclusively in terms of economic efficiency. 
inordinate consumerism, physical beauty and pleasure to the neglect of the more profound dimensions of existence, interpersonal, spiritual, religious. You know, we have to ask ourselves, I have to ask myself, what do we want for our kids? Economic stability and well-being. Isn't that number one? Is it number one? So we need, to, we need to look inside and see what our priorities are in this life. And see if we haven't forgotten the most fundamental things to be. There are people here that have chosen to be a Christian over economic concerns. My mother-in-law is one of them. And we need to learn from them. In our country, what is, what is the number one concern in our country? Is it the ideals? What we stand for? Who we are being? What I feel, what I hear, what I observe is that that means nothing anymore. It means nothing. And when it means nothing, and when economic interest is our only interest, we set ourselves in an extremely vulnerable position to lose the freedom that we prize so dearly in this country. And when we put other interests before the Lord our God in the church, then acknowledging Him and worshiping Him and putting Him first and being His child, being a Christian, when that's not first, we make ourselves and the whole church vulnerable to being stripped to the core of what it even means to be a Christian and to be in the church. Jesus looked at this man who was not in the kingdom of God in the, the sense of being a child of, of Israel, and he marveled. He marveled at this centurion soldier's faith. St. Nikolai asked the question, why did he marvel? Jesus knows everything. What's there to marvel about? I thought that was a pretty good question. You know what he says? You want the answer? He says, Jesus marveled in order to teach us 
what to marvel about. In order to teach us what to marvel about. To teach us to marvel at great faith in another person. In a day, in a time, in an age, in an atmosphere where we look at faith and we want to strip it and pull it and stomp on it. To marvel in glory to God at the faith. I've not seen such faith in all of Israel. And I'll tell you something. It'll be people like this sitting down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the one who thinks they're going to won't be. He looks at this man and he hears his request. He says, I'm not even worthy for you to come under my roof. Just say the word. Just say the word and I know that my servant will be healed. This happened, St. Nikolai, at least in part, to draw, says to draw the connection and to help us to identify as Jesus as the creator of the world. Jesus as the creator of the world. All the powers of nature, St. Nikolai says. All the powers of nature and sickness and death, are they not the Lord's servants? The Lord commands life. Go into this or that being and life goes into it and He calls it back, come back. And it returns. He sends life. He permits sickness. He permits death. And He raises and He heals from the dead. And so He spoke the word and the servant was healed. Just like at the first creation, God spake. And it was so. He spoke the word, let there be light, and it was so. And now in the new creation, the Lord speaks, and it is so. And the paralyzed man whom the Roman Empire could not heal got up at one divine word from the Savior, and he was healed. St. Nikolai says, sickness is God's servant. Sickness is God's servant. And when the master says go, it goes. And when it says come, when he says come, it comes. To his glory. The sickness of this man is a glory to God today because we see in Jesus Christ, in the words of Jesus Christ, that he is the creator of the world. The one who spoke, let there be light in the beginning, and there was light. And so he speaks to us today. He speaks to our hearts. He asks us to examine our hearts and ask us to be more than to have. Will we do that? I'm convicted. (laughs) I know I need to be. I need to be a Christian. I need to be a man. And I need to hold 
my head high in this world as a soldier of the Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God, not of this world. Amen.